Hello, this is Frank Falvey with Frank Presents. And we're doing uh, candidates' interviews, and my co-host today is Steve Sherlock. Steve, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you, Frank. This has been, uh, this will be, not has been, this will be a great series, doing as many of the candidate interviews as possible so that the Franklin voters come November 7th will have some information and be informed when they cast their ballots. In all different ways, via YouTube, via the internet, and via written documentation. Right, yep. So Chris is just, like you aware as well, we're, we're doing the video. We'll extract the audio, so it'll go out on a podcast as well. The video will be up on YouTube. Then we'll take the audio and transcribe it so that people will be able to watch, listen, and or read the same interview. That's great. So. And today's guest is Chris Stickney. Great to meet you. Thank you. Pleased to meet Thanks you. Thanks for having me. Yes. Chris, can you tell us a little about who you are? Sure. Uh, my name's Chris. We, uh, family and I moved to Franklin in uh, 2015. Uh, we'd kind of popped around different parts of 495 and we're looking to settle down in a great school system and a great community where we found some you know, like-minded folks that we really like to spend some time with and some friends we didn't know that lived here. We found when we got here dropping off at daycare. So uh, we've really enjoyed the time that we've had in town and being involved and seeing the town grow and evolve. And um, my opportunity here is hopefully to be a part of that growth and what's going to happen in the future and set it up nicely for our family and our kids and our friends' friends and everyone else that's in town. So the opportunity, I think, is really just to kind of be a steward to the town and make sure we continue to grow in the right manner. Mm, that sounds good. Well, as we're preparing for the November 7th election, certainly voting is a critical part of the American democracy. Can you expand on your particular views on that? Have you been a frequent voter, things of that sort? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I voted in, a, I'm pretty sure, every major election that we've had in town and nationally. Uh, I think it's a, it's a big piece of you know, who we are as a, a nation and a, and a community to make sure that you know, whether you think your vote matters or not, I think there's sometimes a stigmatism around that given mm -hmm. we're a heavily blue state and some other things that my vote doesn't matter because the blue candidate's going to win or whoever. But I feel like having the ability to cast your own vote is a, a great opportunity and a great privilege. And I think if you don't take advantage of it, you, you're not letting your voice be heard. Um, so if you want to either be a part of it and take action and run for an election or be a part of the communities and volunteer events, voting is the other piece of that, that that helps kind of, I think for me as an individual, bring home the right that I have to maybe complain about what I don't like. Mm -hmm. I voted for this other candidate or I voted for you as a candidate and right. now I don't like what you're doing and I can voice my opinion. And I feel like I'm a little more grounded in that sense by having performed the voting function. Yeah, that's good. The other piece, Chloe, you're a candidate for the planning board, mm -hmm. so you can start, and I'm sure we'll dwell on filling that out, but what key you know, skills and or background do you think you're going to bring to the table to help you on the planning board? Locally, I've been on the zoning board for four years now, I think 2019 or 2018 or so, I started with the zoning board. So I've been an associate member there with the, the board and seeing many different you know, residential projects and some, some larger projects come through. Um, so I've gotten some good experience on the, you know, the government, the local government side to understand the, the do's and don'ts to some extent on how mm -hmm. to you know, be in a meeting. Uh, on a professional level, I'm a real estate appraiser by nature. Uh, commercial real estate appraisal specifically. So uh, we work on all types of developments from land all the way up to multi-billion dollar office towers, uh, none of which I hope to see here. But <laughs> uh, you know, the opportunity that I have is that I can take my real life work experience working in several several you know similar communities throughout New England uh, and see what their growth patterns are, things that they've done well or haven't done well, and hopefully kind of guide that path of development and path of opportunity here for us in Franklin. 
Hmm. And so planning, as you've got exposed as with the ZBA, Zoning Board of Appeals, planning, do you have a vision or what are some of the learnings that you're going to uh, try to implement if you have the opportunity to on the planning board so that we can continue, as you say, continue with doing some smart growth. Yeah, smart growth is the key, and I think it can be very broadly defined what smart mm -hmm. means to many different people. Right. Smart could be no growth, we're happy where we are, yeah. or smart could be you know different types of development throughout the town. I think one of the things that I'd like to continue to see happen is the improvement of underutilized sites or underutilized buildings in the town, whether we maintain their existing structure and facade because it adds character or, or sentimental value to those that are around them, uh, or if it's taking older sites that maybe the buildings have to come down or, or sites that are vacant and making them cohesive with the surrounding community the best as possible, it's never always going to be a marriage. You're never going to make everyone happy. Right. Uh, but doing the best we can to benefit the greater good of the community. Chris, could you define what the planning board actually does? Sure. So for the most part, it's a responsibility of the board to um, you know, review and provide guidance on the plans that are submitted. Unfortunately, we can't drive the bus on what someone may want to do uh, with a site specifically, like, no, you can't do this, you should do that, but more so around the opportunity to uh, define the scope of the project and make sure it fits in with the, the surrounding uses, the utility of the project, access parking restrictions and requirements, things of that nature that allow us to kind of control to the extent that we're able to, you know, by rule and, and legal legal reason uh, to make sure that we get the best development possible to benefit the town without being overly you know, restrictive of the developer or the, the property owner, the proponent of the project. It seems very confusing to me. You have a planning board. You have a zoning board of appeals, which you've been on for the last four years. You have a, a review committee, a, a, a site review committee. You have a, a historical commission you have a conservation commission, and uh, and are we looking at a master plan now? Yeah, there's a master plan committee. There's the Davis Thayer committee, which I'm also a part of. So, could you tell us how all that fits together? <laughs> because it seems to deal to me yep. with the same issue. Mm -hmm. So why isn't all that under one umbrella? Or how does it fit together? I think some of it has to do with checks and balances. You don't necessarily want to have all of that under one auspice. I think having the opportunity to have the CONCOM and the Historic Commission that may have different understandings and different specialties than someone that's on the planning board or the zoning board uh, would be able to you know, provide feedback and guidance on. So having the opportunity to say, hey, this project by right, you can do this, but it's too tall, will allow you to go taller, but you have to check with the Conservation Commission, or they have to give you the okay on the impede, you know, the impediment on any of the wetlands or being inside the buffer or being too close. Um, same thing with the Historical Commission. You want to make sure that if there is a defined um, you know, purview in regards to what the project should look like, then we need to stick to that and make sure it's being adhered to. But again, they being the experts in that, we can leverage their resources and their ability, their you know, experience over the years to kind of do that. And, and the same goes with any of those other boards and communities. Uh, if, if I'm a builder, right, mm -hmm. do I need to go through all these people and who do I begin with? Well, I would first say your first step's gonna be town hall. Go see, building, go see the building commissioner, you know, talk about your plans, what you wanna do, and he's gonna direct you on the best path forward. Um, whether you go to every one of those boards would be dependent upon where your project is in town, uh, what impact it may have on uh, wetlands or neighbors or 
traffic. Uh, it's going to really dictate how many of those boards you may have to go sit and visit with. Uh, the planning board, I believe, also has the ability to work with comprehensive permits, where a lot of that falls under that one board at that point in time. But those, those are, are um, as far as I understand, not too frequent and require a pretty, uh, pretty special project to go that route. Where does the zoning bylaws come from? Is it initiated by the planning board or some other agency? Uh, the town council, I believe, dictates what zoning um, zoning in certain towns and uh, where it is throughout the town. So they might say your home is in a residential three or residential four, and they have the ability to uh, move those lines or determine that it should be more commercial or less commercial. Uh, and then they pass those recommendations off to the planning board. Uh, but ultimately, the, the council are the ones that are um, determining that. Uh, the planning board provides input, as far as I understand, as to where things should go and maybe we should or shouldn't move a line. Uh, but the town council is ultimately the, uh, the final verdict there. The, the planning board doesn't initiate that. No. no. If I came to the planning board and said, gee, I think this ought to be a town bylaw, I'm going to the wrong place? Yep, you'd go to the council. Yep, you could even start with the administrator, <coughs> Jamie. Or, yeah. or go through the Department of Planning and Community Development. They're the ones that at the technical level mm -hmm. in the staff would work on whatever the nature of the bylaw language would be to address your particular issue or request. And then it would go through the process, as Chris mentioned, at least from what I've seen. It'll initially go more than likely to the Economic Development Subcommittee of the Council. They'll noodle on it, discuss, involve business, downtown partnership, whatever the nature of the bylaw states. Bring it to the council. The council will then refer it to the planning board, which you go. The planning board goes through a public hearing, review process, and then sends it back. Mm -hmm. Sometimes with comments, sometimes as is, sometimes negatively, um, and then the council does its hearings um, and may agree to the changes. Or in some cases, I know they've you know disagreed with some of the changes. So it is somewhat of a collaborative. But the planning board at least has input. Generally, it starts, from what I understand, the planning and community development from a technical perspective. And then, of course, the attorney makes sure it's the legal review, et cetera. And then Chris's point, the town council actually approves it, but yeah. they don't develop it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, how many members are there on the planning board? It's oh, a great you know, I've got, I believe it's seven total. Uh, one associate and six full. Mm -hmm. uh, and this year, I believe all the seats that are up for election are full seats. Uh, so three of the seven are up for election this year. We're going to possibly be building a new Tri-County High School, right? Does the planning board or the town in any way, uh, do they have to meet town regulations uh, or are they exempt because they're a Tri-County school? Oh, if they're in the town, they're going to be beholden to the community's bylaws and regulations. Um, they're going to have to work through that process and define their scope and what they want to work on. And if there are setback conditions that they're going to have to meet, then they're going to have to cover those with the town. So that whole plan is going to come before you? Possibly, yeah. I believe it would. Yeah. Yep. And if depending upon what exemptions they're looking for, then it would also go through ZBA potentially. Yeah. Yep. So... Ahead of time, do you have any particular uh, concern about them submitting the plan or what type of plan you'd be looking for? 
I don't, and I'm not really uh, certain what their specific plan is other than obviously upgrading their facilities, but um, I think having Tri-County in Franklin is a huge benefit to the community. I think it creates a, a great opportunity to have students either go to Franklin High or Tri-County and, and you know get uh, alternate education is the wrong way to say it, but an education that allows you to learn more of a trade uh, and come out of high school with a lot more skill sets. Mm -hmm. I, I think having that in town is one of the reasons we looked here as a community to live here by giving our children the opportunity to try one or go to both, or you know, you know, try both and, and end up at one uh, <laughs> and, and, and graduate that way. So I think for me, making sure that we keep Tri-County as an option here um, is gonna be paramount and I think not necessarily maybe giving them everything that they want, but making sure that um, you know they're being respectful of what we need as a town and a community, but it's still having the resource available to the, to the education population. You mentioned that you're in commercial real estate appraisal. Yes. So you're, you're doing that on behalf of your client to uh, deal with a board of assessors or how much the property is assessed, or I, I, am I correct in that area? Well, the favorite answer in my industry is it depends. <laughs> uh, it could be anything. Uh, I could do an appraisal for, let's say you owned the building that we're in now, and maybe you do, I'm not sure. But you could ask for an appraisal from my company and we would perform it on your behalf and you could use that for maybe you want to divide up your estate between some shares uh, or you need financing. So we would do it on behalf of your lender. Uh, we do it for developers. We do it for institutions. We work for a lot of the ma major universities in the state. Municipalities, if they're looking to acquire a piece of land, oftentimes they require an appraisal. Uh, so all of those functions we perform either for private citizens, public municipalities, private entities, lending institutions. The majority of the workload in commercial appraisal is typically transactional driven, but there are plenty of opportunities, litigation, estate tax planning, tax appeal, um, you know, many of those other opportunities where we have the, the opportunity to work with not only the individuals, but also, you know, large corporations and companies. So you don't deal with the single family homes? Uh, so in my work, no. Uh, we deal with commercial work specifically. Um, the license that I hold does permit me the ability to work on single family homes. However, part of our regulations require competency. I wouldn't necessarily be able to sit there with a good straight face and say, I'm competent to appraise your home. I don't really appraise single family homes. So a jury of my peers is, is kind of the threshold. And a jury of my peers would say, oh, Chris is a good appraiser. Chris doesn't really do multifamily or doesn't really do single family homes in Franklin. I don't think he would do a great job. And I would have to say, I can't do it. And I'll help you find the right person that can. What What is your overall appraisal of Franklin in the future? What, what do you see from a planning board perspective that that might need a change in Franklin or is going great and, sh and we should continue down that path? I think what I see it's great is there is an appetite uh, from the community, either developers or individuals that are looking to enhance and improve the town, take sites that maybe have greater utility in the future and turn them into something bigger and better. You know, for instance, uh, La Cantina is working on the backside of the Franklin Light Building now, taking an older building that really had limited use and enhancing it and improving it and making it an engaging area for folks to come and gather, eat and drink and have fun. I, I think that those the situations like that are a good opportunity where I'd like to see myself on the planning board provide feedback and either improve their plans or say, hey, these look great um, and let's move forward or say, this isn't the right project for this area, you know, is there another opportunity for you out there? Part of that problem is 
someone already bought the land or somebody already bought the building and they're dead set on doing it there. And sometimes it is a yes or a no, and there's not really a lot of improvement. Mm -hmm. And you have to be comfortable and able to give that feedback and tell those folks, no, this isn't going to work. And I'm only one vote of six voting members on the board, but in my opinion, just like voting for the for the candidates you like, voting for the projects that you like and don't like is equally as important, often more important on a microscopic level. You're familiar with uh, the New England Chapel? And, yes. And, and that, <clears throat> what I will say, I don't know whether it's apartments or condominiums, but it's the future uh, uh, dilapidated area in 50 years. Mm -hmm. uh, I just see buildings like that as as not good uh, housing and not good for the town of Franklin. Uh, and I see uh, uh, senior buildings going up everywhere in new apartments. How do you feel about the expansion of apartments and buildings like the one uh, down by the New England Chapel? Well, I think as we've all known and, and experienced for several years, there's a significant demand for housing, and that has to come in all, sh all shapes and sizes. Uh, the cost of capital is currently very high, so purchasing power is down for a lot of individuals. Not only that, but housing prices have continued to rise. The benefit is hybrid work has become more mainstay, and I think we're going to continue to see that. You know, my team, we haven't really been in the office since St. Patrick's Day of 2020. <laughs> for one reason or another, but uh, you know, we find that having the opportunity to work remotely is going to be beneficial. So working remotely then creates sufficient, more sufficient demand to have more housing that has suitable you know, an office space or an ability, an ability to set up an office or a laptop or something in your home. Uh, so maybe a bigger footprint on some of that stuff would be required. Uh, but I think what we're going to continue to see is that folks age out of their homes and they're going to need senior housing, whether it be assisted living or independent living. We're going to continue to see a strong and a very large demand for that, particularly if you look at the demographic scale and the bell curve of aging and where the mm -hmm. boomers are and, right. and all of that. We, we, we see a lot of that trend towards uh, continued care retirement communities, CCRCs, where you can start and drive by a condo or a townhouse and then you move into the assisted living facility and then you move into you know afterlife care uh, so a lot of those things are going to continue to happen I think specific to the New England Chapel and the project down there I have some ideas and thoughts that you know at the time I wasn't really in a position to share uh, as not being on the board but it's one of those projects where I think there's a need for housing and the input that we have is then going to be, is there sufficient parking? Is there sufficient amenity? Is it going to be something that benefits the broader community at large? Maybe not necessarily the direct neighbors, because those folks are generally going to be not happy that something's happening next door. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Uh, so just providing guidance and guardrails to make sure that we're doing the best we can for the community at large. I grew up in the 50s and 60s where they, in the city of Boston, where they had housing for low-income individuals, a lot of housing, a lot of, uh, of brick apartments three, four stories high, close together. I see that same thing happening today in Franklin, around Franklin, and I say it didn't work then because there's too many people too close together. What do you ha have on how, how many people can be living in such a confined area? 
Oh, I don't have any information maybe on specific numbers of folks that could, should live in a building or could live in a building, but I think what I see in a difference between what you're describing in Boston in the 50s and 60s or whenever you're referring to to what we're seeing now is there are far more on-site amenities available for a lot of those projects. You know, if you think about the new development that they put over on Dean Ave Station Apartments, they have a nice campus set up. The buildings are tight. They're close, but there seems to be sufficient parking and they have an amenity center, they have a pool, they have a separate dog walking area, they have garages independent of each other. So I think if you can look at a project that has sufficient capability to offer the, the needs that, that a renter or a homeowner, if it's a condo, are gonna want to have, I think it's as close to a win-win as you're gonna get. Is it what everyone wants? No. However, these are projects that are going to continue to come if Franklin continues to be a desirable place to live, which I think is what we would all like to have being residents here, residents nearby, is having a community that people want to be in and want to live in. And then hopefully we'll continue to see the growth in a smart way. Mm. Well, what do you see, Steve, from the planning board perspective? You cover it quite a bit. Actually, I don't cover the planning board I, other than what goes to them and then comes back because I focus on following the money in my time with FinCom, school committee, town council. But I certainly respect the planning board and their input in terms of, as you've said, defining or refining to make sure that whatever project proposed fits within our bylaws, zoning regulations, things of that sort, and kind of makes sense in you know the area where it's designed. Um, there's been discussion around whether this fits or that fits. Um, I think, and there's still more work being done on the Franklin for All project with, there was a number of uh, zoning changes to increase occupancy, increase density, which theoretically would help us from an infrastructure perspective. You'd have more people serviced by one road as mm -hmm. opposed to what we did with the single family homes, big developments, now you gotta maintain all those roads and over time we're, we're running out of the cash in order to do so. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a challenging role, um, but I think it's a key role in terms of the way we're structured uh, so that they get to, you know, make sure that something fits appropriately. Uh, uh, in Franklin now, there's a hotel that now is uh, housing uh, families. Uh, that have come to this country legally. Do you see a need ethnically to develop different ethnic housing or areas within a community? I mean, traditionally, the Italians have always moved in with Italians, Irish with Irish, but today there seems to be a need for more diversity within a community. How do you see us addressing uh, that situation. I think connectivity of individuals has been a big play in that. So having the opportunity to pick up your cell phone and have a face conversation, which when I was a kid, you didn't even have a cell phone, let alone being able to have a computer that could put a man on the moon in your pocket. Mm. Uh, so I think having the connectivity, I think takes some of the strain off of having clusters of folks that maybe want to live together or would choose to live together, whether it be ethnically or racially or anything like that. I find that having the opportunity to provide good quality housing to those folks that would want it and need it is the best opportunity. Um, you know, when you talk about the, the hotel over there, I think it's the Best Western over on Upper Union. Um, that unfortunately is a need that's currently being, trying to be met by the state, uh, where that hotel operator is gonna get, you know, they're being, the, the hotel's being leased effectively uh, and they're being paid a rate. And the goal there is that 
everything should be provided, some level of security, some level of comfort for the community at large, but then those folks that need that housing assistance in the short term can take advantage of it and then move on to find hopefully their next best or next permanent home um, or, or transition to wherever they need to transition to. So how would you develop, how would the planning board develop that next move? I think not being an impediment to change but looking at change in a smart way and doing our best to make sure that it meets the needs of the town today, but also do, does our best to meet the needs of the town in the future. Chris, what's the question that I haven't asked you that you just love to expand on? Oh, my favorite meal. <laughs> <laughs> you pay it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, no, I, I think for me, we hit on a lot of really great topics. Uh, I think you know one of the things that um, I did want to hopefully stress is just, you know, change is gonna to continue to occur. Developments are gonna to continue to occur. The opportunity that we have oftentimes is that being involved where we can be volunteering for boards or communities, uh, or sorry, committees uh, being hopefully elected, allows you as an individual, or hopefully me in this instance, to be an active part of that change in a way that I see fit for the best of everyone that I know and would like to help. Um, and, and I think the opportunity there is to be proud of the accomplishments that we can make, but not be afraid to tell people no. Um, and I just think that's the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, knowing that you can't make everyone happy, going into the meetings knowing that is helpful, especially you know, as with what I've experienced in the zoning board. And I think taking that experience to the planning board um, will, will put me in a, in a good position to do the best that we can for the town. Chris, if people wanted to contact you or learn more about you, how could they do that? Uh, well, my email address is on the town website uh, on the zoning board currently. Uh, I will have a, I'm trying to get a Facebook uh, page set up for my planning board kind of run here. So there'll be more information there about myself and, and things on that nature. So you can just kind of you can Google my name and it'll be there. And I think it'll, the page is, uh, you know, Chris Stickney for, for planning board uh, on Facebook. That'll be going live uh, probably next month. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I'm, near the farmer's market, and so I'm usually out there. Unfortunately, it's rained almost every Friday we've had this <laughs> summer, but uh, doing our best to represent over there as we can. Uh, Chris, November 7th, the polls are open. Steve, what time? From 6 in the morning till 8 at night. One place at the high school makes it easy for all the precincts, and there are nine now. Mm. We grew, expanded from the 2020 uh, census, but all in one place, all at the high school from 6 to 8. Um, you can still vote in advance at the town clerk's office. She's going to have an early voting day as well, I believe, on one of the Saturdays prior to. Um, those additional details will be forthcoming as, as they get finalized. Right. Chris Stickney, Steve Sherlock, and Frank Falvey want to see you at the polls on November 7th. Uh, and please, if you see us, come up and uh, tell us how we're doing and would be glad and happy to talk to you. Thank you for Frank's Presents, and thank you for coming, Chris, I appreciate thank it. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Steve. Thank appreciate you, the time. Absolutely. Thank you.
This program was made possible by your Franklin friends and neighbors. Good folks just like you. Thanks for supporting Franklin TV. And thanks for watching.